RadioInfluence.com. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of City Ringside. My name is David Penzer. We are so happy once again, as always, that you are here to listen to this thing that we call a podcast. Want to welcome everybody once again to City Ringside. I have a fun guest this week. That uh, if you're if you're a fan fan of poems and limericks, you're going to have a blast. If you're a fan of a guy whose family has been in the wrestling business uh, generations and is brutally honest about his career and where he stands and his family's uh, posture in in this business, uh, you're going to enjoy it. I believe it's going to be a totally refreshing discussion. And I'm looking forward to talking to Leapin Lanny Popfo, formerly known as The Genius, on Sitting Ringside. I want to thank everybody for the feedback for the last few weeks of interviews that we've had on. Uh, if you are not following along, please go on to Twitter and follow me at David Penzer, all one word. You can follow the show at Penzer Ringside. We answer all kinds of questions, and I, I have fun uh, talking with people on social media and on Twitter. So uh, it's all nice. No, 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 nobody gets mean. Nobody gets nasty. Nobody. It's all just nice conversation about different things about my career in WCW and TNA. And I think somebody reached out today and mentioned uh, uh, something about Michael Buffer and had a couple questions. So I answered those. And it's always fun to talk about the business with the fans. So uh, come join us on social media won't you at david penzer on twitter at penzer ringside uh if you have any ideas on who you'd like to hear on this very show uh please let us know and we'll make our very best well do our very best excuse me to make that happen also um if you're in a platform that lets you leave a review we would appreciate uh you leaving one and uh and uh, thank you for being on this ride i really appreciate it as i mentioned this week we have a fun guest and uh it is somebody who's been in the wrestling business since been around the wrestling business since they were a youngster and certainly made a name uh throughout the entire world and continues to uh to pop up here and there but more than anything he is a refreshingly open and honest person uh so please welcome to city ringside this week leaping lanny Poffo. Ladies and gentlemen, this week on City Ringside, we are honored to be joined by the genius Leapin' Lanny Poffo. He is the host of his own podcast, The Genius Cast, that uh, we're going to tell you how you can listen to that and listen to Lanny every week and hear what he has to say. But for this week, we are honored that he was uh, kind enough to be a guest for City Ringside. Lanny, thank you very much. Welcome to the show. Well, the pleasure is mine. I'm a very big fan of yours. But I must correct you. It's the Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo, but it's also with J.P. Zarka, who is the impresario of ProWrestlingStories.com. So we're in YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and guess who does all the work? He J- does. J.P.? Oh, yes. Yeah, and he says every... 
about a hundred people wanted me to do a podcast and I said, no, I think I'm retired. And uh, JP insisted he would do all the work. I said, okay, but guess what? I am a quitter. (laughs) And uh, in other words, if we don't succeed right off the bat, I don't want to do it. Sure. So guess what? We are developing tremendous momentum and it's because I'm also a guest on shows like yours and then new people go into my podcast. So that's like, uh, it's a win-win, isn't it? Sure. Uh, lots, lots of cross promotion in this business always has been. So, so Lanny, uh, uh, I, I tried to impress you. So I'm, I'm doing research for this show last night and I, I'm not going to lie. I had like a vodka and, and Sprite and, uh, and so it's about 11 o'clock and I'm thinking, wow, if only I could get Leaping Lanny Poffo, the genius, to like write a poem about my podcast. And then I'm thinking, wait a second, that's Bass Ackwards because he's a guest on my podcast, so I should write a poem. So here we go, Lanny. There once was a ring announcer named Dave who had a podcast some craved. He thought who should be the next guest and decided Leapin' Lanny Poffo was the best. And now enjoy it and let the critics rave. Wow, that's a limerick. That's, <laughs> <Yes>. a limerick. <laughs> that's great. Hey, anything and, that uh, rhymes to me is all the same. <laughs> well, but, a limerick is like... Uh, yeah, I know. There once was a band named... Yeah, I got... I see. I wrote a book of limericks uh, for smoking. Yeah, I know. Uh, I have that to talk about later on because I'm a big anti-cigarette guy myself. So, I so like a, a few of them would be like um, a real estate mogul named Dave. Let cigarettes make him a slave. Location, location, and smoke inhalation has led to his premature grave. <laughs> and when Sheila, when Sheila earned her PhD with her boyfriend of equal degree, dissertations got tough, so they smoked off the cuff. How stupid can smart people be? <laughs> I love it. And, and 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 I work for like thirty minutes on mine, and you just smoke me, smoke me talking. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Listen, I that's that's from my book Limericks from the Heart and Lungs, uh, published in two thousand and two. So I didn't smoke you. Uh, I don't smoke. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, but anyway. And I'll tell you what, um, I think you did a great job with your limerick. And thank you. I feel honored that you would even put the effort. <laughs> thank you for being here. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Um, getting a, a little bit out of order, but I wanted to talk about that book since you brought it up. Uh, I've, I've never, ever, ever in my life, I'm 52 years old, been a fan of, of cigarettes. I don't get it. Um and, you know, I do understand that some people like to have a cocktail, myself included. Some people like to do other things. I'm not uh, one of those people. Uh, but but to my, my, my thing is, and I don't know how, what your take is, that, you know, at least if you – at least if you, uh, you know, do drugs, not that you should do drugs. Don't do drugs. I have two adult kids. I've my whole life. Don't do drugs is all I've told them. Uh, or if you, if you decide to have a cocktail or something like that, at least you're going to, you know, you get like a buzz, you get something out of it. It may not be good for you, but at least you get something out of it. You don't get anything for smoking a cigarette. You get nothing. Uh, so I don't see, I just don't see anything positive by it. And I've always been a big, uh, anti-cigarette guy. 
And it's it's bad for your health. It's bad for your wealth. And it's bad for your breath on first dates. It is bad for your wealth. My brother is a longtime smoker and uh, my wife's from Canada. And uh, and and God, it, as expensive as the cigarettes are here, I think they're like double. But you get an extra three, I think. But that's neither here nor there. Hey, where, when is, it, she, where is she from in Canada? And, and it's funny because we're going to get to this, too. She's from the Maritimes. She's from Halifax. And I did not know. And we'll get to that. I have it in my notes. I did not know that um, your family were big in the uh, 70s in the Maritimes and uh, and headline there. And my grandfather or her grandfather, my her her grandfather, so my great great in law grandfather, uh, was a huge wrestling fan. He was like one of the old time wrestling fans who would sit in the front row every week, uh, you know, with his cane and 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 try to hit the 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 the, the, the bad guys and go crazy for the good guys. And uh, I'm sure he probably ran into you guys a couple of times before we get to the your your travels to the Maritimes because I did not know that about your, you and your family. Um, I always, when I have a second generation restaurant, I always start out with the same two questions. So I hope you'll indulge me. Um, number one is, when did you realize what your dad did for a living? Well, I was the youngest in the family, so um, my dad would leave and come home sometimes with a championship belt that he would put on my bed. So I wake up and I'd have, I'd be the champion, cool. and you know that was a buzz yeah. for a kid. Sure, and uh, you know sometimes he would bring us to the wrestling matches and. Uh, I would definitely notice that my dad was a little strange. And, um, you know, we all had something in common. We all wanted to be baseball players. Randy was the best baseball player of the three of us. Um, myself, I knew I had a little problem with hitting, running, throwing, fielding, and thinking. <laughs> but outside of that one thing, I could have been great. So, anyway, you sound like I, me. Do I sound like you? Maybe. Well, then, no, that's that's my thing. If I had any athletic ability, I could have been something special. At least you have athletic ability. I didn't have all that much, you know. So anyway, you just work with what you got. So anyway, um, in, when I was 18, I insisted I become a wrestler because I didn't want to be a welfare recipient. So, you know, and then um, I was lucky that my father was friends with Tom Ernesto, who was booking for Ray Gunkel's promotion, his widow and uh, and Gunkel. Right. We've and, had uh, we've had Jody Hamilton on the show talking about that. Yes. Uh, Jody was very nice to me. And, you know, he had time for me and patience and what a great worker he was. Yes, sir. One of the best, one of the nicest guys, too. When you talk about giving time and, and, and feedback, uh, uh, he was very instrumental in, in any success that I had in WCW and the business as a whole on the ring announcing side. But um, And so the other question, I guess, uh, I, I ask every second generation wrestler, if you don't mind, is what at what age did you either your dad smarten you up or just because you were around it so much that you got smartened up to the business? Well... I wasn't totally oblivious to what was going on. Sure. And uh, my, my father tried to smarten me up when I was 12 years old. And I said, well, yeah, but what about Johnny Valentine? <laughs> and great. he said, uh, well, him too, but uh, he's better than us. <laughs> <laughs> and he really was too. Oh, man. You know, it was just before my time as a fan, I, but I've seen videotapes and stuff like that. Um, your dad, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, held a, a sit-up record, correct? 
Yes, he was featured in Ripley's Believe It or Not. And uh, I gave a poem at his funeral. And I said, um, it's he. What the hell is it? I'm sorry. Uh, I haven't thought of it since uh, 2010 when he passed. Um, let's see. "'Twas back in 1945 on Independence Day that Nazis had surrendered. Japan was on its way. My dad was in the Navy, as history will tell, as he was bleeding through the mats, a world record fell. He did 6,000 sit-ups with an extra 33 to glorify our Savior, who died on Calvary. And Robert Ripley's feature celebrated this event. Giving credence to success is not an accident. That's always been his motto through times both good and bad. He's a real Hall of Famer and the world's greatest dad. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that uh, with us. That's, you know, you know, my dad, the very first show that I went to as a fan, it was uh, in 1977 at the Fort Lauderdale National Guard Armory. Uh, your dad wrestled Cowboy Bob Ellis in one of the matches. And uh, I'll never forget the 6033 on the back of his trunks. And, uh, you know, there was no uh, Internet then. So I had to watch a couple of shows and to where Gordon Soley finally mentioned and I put it two and two together of, of what the number was on the back but i'll i'll never forget that the first show i was ever uh at live as a fan i think i was uh 12 years old and he was one of them one of the top matches so and what's what city was that in it's the fort lauderdale national guard armory in fort lauderdale florida they they uh-huh. they wrestled there in the florida territory on friday nights i think they did a split show with tallahassee for a while and then things changed but that was back in the 70s they did that well, that was when my father was long past his prime. And uh, I was always a little embarrassed for him that he hung on so long. And now look at me. I'm such a whore. You know, uh, last last summer, um, a promoter from Tower, Minnesota, Fortune Bania, they said, can you wrestle? And I said, absolutely not. He says, well, it's a 10-man tag team match. I said, well, then if I only have to do 20% of the work, I guess I could. You know, so... Um, if the price is right, I'll be there tonight. But I don't want to die with my boots on. There you go. It's funny. You know, everybody's different. Uh, I had Terry. I had the privilege of having Terry Funk on a few months ago. And I said, so uh, so please tell me I'm not going to see you in a six-man tag team match on an indie uh, show in two years doing a moonsault. And he goes, what, what was his response, Terry? God willing? God willing. <laughs> so, you know, some 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 people want to go out doing what they love and some people would rather uh, would, would but but I don't you know, your dad was I, I remember him like it was yesterday because I remember that that first show uh, almost vividly. And, uh, you know, C- Cowboy Bob Ellis at the time was they were both a little bit, you know, uh, probably in their 40s. But I, I didn't as a as a 12 year old kid, I didn't look at a guy that was past his prime. I looked at a, a veteran. Well, yeah, it's one way to look at it, but um, I just saw the Babe Ruth story, you know, and uh, he hung on too long also. You know, he says, I love the game. Yeah, but the game doesn't love you anymore. You know, they start making fun of you when you can't perform. So as I mentioned earlier, you I was surprised to hear that you guys spent a lot of time on top in the Maritimes. And like I said, I have a personal connection there. Um uh, what years were those, and what are your memories of, of working that territory? I spent the, the summer of 1978 
and the summer of 1983 in the Maritimes. And we were in uh, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward Island. Sure. And then when I got to the WWE, or F, um, then I got to travel around in Newfoundland. And um, the only time we, the only towns we hit in, uh, in the other Maritimes is Halifax and Moncton, New Brunswick. So um, Vince would only go to the top towns, but then we toured Newfoundland. Right, yeah. My, uh, my wife's family was from a, um, uh, a small uh, town called Wolfville, Nova Scotia. I don't know if uh, the name rings a bell, but uh, uh, it was, it's about uh, 40 miles out of Halifax. And, uh, and, and we actually got married in, um, in uh, we actually got married in uh, 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 New Brunswick, St. John, New Brunswick. So, uh, well, I got married in Moncton, New Brunswick. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, what a small world. Yes, and I got divorced in Clearwater, Florida. <laughs> I'm still married, knock on wood. Uh, so oh, I'm still divorced, knock on wood. <laughs> um, so now, and now I get to do anything I want all the time. And right. next month, I'm going to be 64 years old. Bless you. Happy birthday. Hey, I told you before we went on, uh, before we hit record, um, I've always been fascinated for a number of reasons with um, – your family before uh, going to Memphis and then uh, going to WWF uh, did a lot of outlaw promotions. For those who may not know, uh, there were the local NWA promotions, and then there would uh, anybody who ran against them were called outlaw promotions. And I know there was a, I know there was a crew. I don't want to leave anybody out, but you know um, we've talked to Rip Rogers about it. Uh, Bob Roop's a, a friend, a mentor of mine. Uh, I know Bob Orton worked. Uh, you your dad or your brother uh pistol pez watley uh ronnie garvin ronnie garvin correct uh and and it wasn't just like one territory you guys went against the fullers in knoxville you went against uh jarrett and in tennessee and and different other places ghoulis i think uh how was it being a quote-unquote outlaw back then in the business because it was pretty it was pretty much frowned upon uh they did not like you being there obviously no, they didn't like me being there, but um, keep in mind, I was wrestling in Portland, Oregon for Don Owen, and I ran into a guy, Rowdy, Roddy Piper. I've heard the name. And yes, I think he's a big deal. So anyway, <laughs> he was very nice to me, and he said, uh, he asked me if I could work heel. I said, definitely can. And he says, I'm going to send you to Los Angeles to work against um, the Guerreros. And uh and I was all excited and I was learning more Spanish to insult the people to get cheap heat. Probably would have got myself stabbed anyway. But um, I was all set to go. I spent an hour on the phone with Mike LaBelle and he said, Lanny, Roddy Piper is like a son to me. And if he says you've got what it takes, then by God, we're going to get you in there and give you every um give you every opportunity to get yourself over so you can work with the Guerreros, you know, and this and that. So I was so excited. Then I got the call. I had to come back and do an opposition outlaw thing. And I said, oh, my God, I don't want to do that. That seems like, oh, I'd rather I'm a, I'm a go with the flow kind of a guy. Right. You know, and that's not going with the flow, is it? No, not at all. So but family comes first. So I did it. And um 
it was the best of times and the worst of times. Let's put it that way. Is, was it hard to keep? Because uh, a lot of times it was you as a baby face against uh, Randy as a as a heel or vice versa. Uh, from what I remember looking at a lot of the old uh, the clippings and stuff like that uh, on, on social media. Was it hard to keep because your dad was uh, probably wrestling back then as the miser, if I'm correct, under a hood? Was it hard to uh, keep the family connections a secret in the towns that you guys ran? It was impossible because, you know, the... Telephone, telegraph, telewrestler. Sure. sure. You know, yeah, everybody knew, but we did it anyway. And um, it worked out. We did very well until we didn't do very well. And then uh, it was over. And I was glad it was. And uh, we all went to, uh, it was 1985. And we, but I have to say that if it wasn't for Jerry Jarrett, the Poffos wouldn't have gotten anywhere in this wrestling world. And Randy would have been the greatest wrestler you've never heard of. Jerry Jarrett deserves all the credit. And let me also give credit to another fine individual. um, And maybe you've heard of him too. uh, The mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Very good friend of mine. And I know he's a great friend of yours. Yes. Well, I have a personal love for that man. And, um, you know, I don't, for, you know, he's going to be 74 years old, I guess, or 75 coming up. I don't know. And um, I'll keep on dancing. Yeah, he looks better than I do. So God bless Jimmy Hart. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm singing there? Yeah, the Gentries. Well, one of keep these on. days, one of these days we're going to have Jimmy on. And I promised him, I, you know, everybody talks to him about, uh, you know, who's his favorite uh, tag team to manage and, and tell us stories about, you know, uh, working for Vince. But I told him, I just want to talk about his, uh, how, you know, his, his time in the music business and, and getting to tour with the Beach Boys and, and so many other big names. And then, you know, then his transition into the Memphis territory and, and how that was and how that came about. Uh, so one of these, we we're going to almost hooked up this past week, but uh, because of Thanksgiving and he had, we both had things going on. It didn't work out, but one of these days we're going to do it. Yeah. Jimmy. Uh, yeah. You know, Jimmy's one of my mentors as well. Uh, uh, I went to the, you might remember the XWF uh, was short lived. Uh, through Jimmy and, you know, Brian Nobbs ran that and Greg Valentine. And that's a whole nother story. Um, so uh, you guys, uh, this is the last question about Outlaw. You guys did a lot of grandstanding. And just like as an example, when you were in Memphis, you would bill a match with uh, with with Randy uh, and you and maybe, you know, a couple other guys versus Jerry Lawler, who was a uh, opposition star bill dundee and whoever the other top baby face was and then say that all the you know if if they came and correct me if i'm wrong on any of this but my memory is that you would say if they came uh that you would donate the money to charity uh basically calling them out um judging from your reaction to all this i'm assuming that wasn't your idea um was there ever a thought though in the dressing room what if those guys show up was there like a plan if they did no, we knew they weren't going to show up. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, it does. You kind of steal a house that way. You see what I mean? Sure. They, they, you know, as long as the fans think they might show up. But, you know, Randy, it was all Randy's idea. That was his M.O. And he wanted them to show up so he could beat the hell out of them. Right. So, you know, that was his. Um, and it was 
Listen, you can't knock success. Who's more successful than the macho man? You know, he's in 58 and a half years, he sure had three or four lives. Oh, absolutely. And then I knew, I knew, you know, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that me and Randy were close friends, but uh, I knew him as well as anybody, I guess, that not named Lenny Poffo or Hulk Hogan or a couple others in WCW. He was always uh, stand up and, uh, and, uh, and, and I always consider, and, and yeah, uh, you know, uh, I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. People ask me on different podcasts uh, what my favorite entrance music to introduce was. And without a doubt hands down i always say it and i always will i think pop and circumstance is the greatest ring entrance and uh and and your brother did did so much so much justice uh with the yeah, but it was a lot of it was because of howard finkel and is it and now let down the aisle by his manager elizabeth bump 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 macho man randy savage oh you know the whole what an exciting entry. Yeah, he's one of the best, and uh, Howard Finkel is one of the best as well. And uh, I was so honored to be able to, you know, for years to intro Randy uh, with the pop and circumstances. still gives me goosebumps. Um, uh, other than your brother, who were uh, some of your favorites to work with in the, the ICW days? Bob Orton Jr., for sure. He was, man, what a talent that guy was. And, uh, you know, I never... Then we got to the WWE, and um, I actually looked better losing to him than I did beating Barry Horowitz. <laughs> that's that's interesting. That's interesting, actually. How, how was it going to the WWE? Um, uh, was it a was it a family deal, or was it two separate deals? And and uh, uh, how was it? You know. I don't want to say how was it being the, the brother of Randy Savage, but, uh, you know, you guys there certainly had different spots. Was there any any ever any thought, well, geez, you know, if they would give me a chance, which they later did? Well, the thing is, Randy, they wanted him. Uh, me, I was just a throw in. OK, but my attitude was even if I had a job taking the jackets back to the locker room, um, if I had any talent, somebody would notice it. Sure. And, you know, they did eventually. And, you know, for four months, I was on main events. Now, uh, I had 23 appearances in Madison Square Garden, and I had two main events in Madison Square Garden. So just like a fat girl on prom night, I was thrilled when the phone rang. <laughs> oh, man. You're kind of throwing me off here with some of this. These one-liners are great. Um, by, the, by the way, I put out. <laughs> so, no, you know, hey, speaking of throw-ins, I've been a throw-in on lots of deals. My attitude is as long as I can get there and prove I got something, I'll be a throw-in anytime. Uh, but um, so the poems, was that uh, It's obviously something that is not a gimmick. It's something that you obviously uh, uh, take great pride in and do a great job as. Was it your idea to incorporate that, uh, you know, before the matches? Well, I had the opportunity to meet a guy named Shel Silverstein in 1977 and uh, in Nashville. Uh, do you know who that is? I do not. That I don't. Well, have you ever heard of the song A Boy Named Sue by Johnny Cash? Absolutely. He wrote the words and the music. Wow. And have you ever heard the Unicorn song? Uh, probably. 
They were green alligators and long-haired geese. Some oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and chimpanzees. Yeah. Some cats and rats and elephants, but sure as you're born, the loveliest of all was the unicorn. Also, he wrote uh, Falling Up, Light in the Attic, and all those things. And he was also a cartoonist for Playboy magazine. If you look up Shel Silverstein in Wikipedia, you will be amazed to find out how successful this guy was. And, um, you know... I was doing poetry in Nashville working for Goulas, you know, right. and Nick Goulas, which is nothing to be proud of. <laughs> and um, so he saw it and uh, he says, hey, I'm a big fan of yours. You want to come out afterwards? I've got my nieces and nephews and some entourage here. So I said, hey, free meal. OK, fine. <laughs> uh, so so then it hit me. You are the Shel Silverstein. I read a book called The Giving Tree loveliest book I've ever read. So anyway, and you don't have to read the book, just go on uh, YouTube and look up The Giving Tree and um, it'll be there. So, okay, what is my point? I am a guest on TNT. Do you know what that is? Yes, it was one of my, my favorite shows when I was in college. Well, I had a little problem. I knew that as a baby face, they would have me on once and then if I was boring, never again. Right. Why would they have a, you know, don't be boring, okay? So I said, so I dressed in my suit of armor and I wrote a poem for the occasion. Look back through the annals of history and the wrestling hall of fame, men from all nations with courage to spare who struggle to carve out a name. Now compare these high standards of valor with those chivalrous knights of yore, with bravery staunches their armor, their glory, both legend and lore. My medieval connection with wrestling relives that magnificent past. Though mindless skeptics, no, I'm sorry, though mindless skeptics may snicker and scoff, the winner is he who laughs last. Alive with the love of wrestling, I appear on TNT between Vince and awful Alfred, the hottest show on TV. I'm not your average wrestler, but I wouldn't want to be. I never scream or kiss my arms. I'm happy just being me. I call myself Leaping Lanny. I validate what I say to every single wrestling fan who's watching USA. Yes, I believe in miracles. As God has blessed this great land, I believe the referee will soon be raising my hand. So when we went to the commercial black, Vince McMahon says, Lanny, that was great. From now on, you do a poem before every match. Wow. And I, you know, I didn't say anything. I said, okay. But inside I was going, yes, <laughs> yes, I have a gimmick now. So, and I love, love, love my gimmick. And he didn't know that you were going to do that poem before you did it on live on uh, the show, huh? No, I just wanted to take the matter into my own hands because I was afraid of being boring. Sure. Absolutely. Hey, um, did you did you and Randy travel together? Uh, or uh, you know what what what, what uh, like you know how was it being the brother of of, of Randy Savage when he uh, rose to the fame uh, that he that he did uh, that you talked about? Um, uh, what you guys got? You know, like I have a brother and we don't really get along, and and so I don't know. I, I'm just I'm wondering how it was. If you know, did he come to you for advice? Did uh, were you guys close? The only time he ever came to me for advice was 
the missing piece of the puzzle was his interview. You don't believe me, but I'm I'm telling you the truth. Um, he first he was a great worker, then he got a great body, but the third thing was the interview, and he couldn't. He was struggling, so he says, "You're so good at interviews. Uh, can you help me?" I said, "You're doing fine." He says, "No, I'm having anxiety attacks. I'm really not comfortable. I'm not doing well." So I said, "Look." Let's think back. You're a savage. Your name is Savage. You wrestle like a savage. You got hair like a savage. You have a beard like a savage. Who is the greatest wrestling interview that you've ever seen that was savage-like? And he thinks about it and thinks about it. And he says, Curtis Iakea and Pampero Furpo. I said, remember in Hawaii, when, what do they call that when they do... Uh, you are watching WMOX, and it's, you know, what did they call that? A tag? Tag, yeah. Is that a tag? Station, station ID? Yeah, well, Pampero Furpo did one for the wrestling show that had um, the channel that carried the wrestling. I forgot the name of it. but it was, And don't forget, he's from Argentina, but he's Armenian, so he had a strange accent. Right. You are watching number one station in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So, that, no, that's a bad invitation. You need to go on YouTube and see a good way, see the real deal. So, so I said, why don't you read that and read it to me? He says, you are watching the number one station in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. And I said, oh, my God, I think you got it. I said, that sounds like money to me. He says, well, do you think I should uh, call up Furpo and ask if I can borrow, oh yeah? I said, no, he stole it from the Beatles. <laughs> but see, the thing, and I know the Beatles stole it from Louis Armstrong, but look at it this way. Louis Armstrong goes, oh yeah. And the, and the Beatles did it their way. And uh, Furpo did it, oh yeah. And Macho Man, oh yeah. So, you see, everybody did, oh, yeah, but they all did it their own way. So, Lanny, when you gave him that advice, which ended up being a, a, a career-winning uh, uh, advice, uh, did you did you ever in a million years think that he would, like, he would never snap out of it? <laughs> That's funny, snap out of it, uh, one of his, his other lines, that he would never, that he'd uh, pretty much have that voice for the rest of his life? It was amazing. Art imitated life and life imitated art. He became the macho man. Now, one of the things that I think about sometimes because I'm a strange, strange man is he's so fun to imitate and he's so easy to do. And it's so much fun to relive his, you know, great interviews, especially cup of coffee in the big time. Yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah. Um, I'm amazed that somebody else didn't take his gimmick and bring it to New York, and then he would be the imposter. So I think it's lucky that nobody did that because he was also pretty famous before he got famous. Absolutely. Um, so you, uh, they turned you heel. Uh, you'd finally had your poem gimmick and did that for a while, and then they turned you heel. Uh, was there any reservations? Or were you, it sounds like uh, from the earlier stories about wanting to work in Los Angeles with the Guerreros that you would have been excited. But I'm just curious, was there any hesitation, any reservation about turning heel? Absolutely not. I, uh, I knew I was... Uh, I had, 
it's a, I had a tire routine going on. Okay. Yeah. I'd been there five years as leaping Lanny right. and I was either going to be fired or thick as something to keep me valuable. So I got a chance to reinvent myself and I'm glad I did. That's awesome. You got to work with Hulk in the main event of Saturday night, Saturday night's main event and got a count out win uh, when you were with uh, Kurt Hennig, who, uh, aside from your brother, is one of the uh, also most talented, coolest people I've ever met. And I missed him both tremendously. And I bet you do, too. Um, talk, talk to me about main eventing uh, Saturday night's main event with Hulk. The genius was victorious against the mighty Hulkster, and the World Wrestling Federation fell. For a billion Hulkamaniacs who live and die for Hogan, saw the genius was triumphant at the bell. They saw their hulking hero like he, as he wallowed in self-pity, like the victim of a somewhat heinous crime. And now he has a partner even stupider than he is, so I'm sure he'll be the loser one more time. Mr. Perfect, Mr. Perfect, you're the man who's never wrong. Can you prophesize what we're about to do? By the power of the genius and the world's smartest man, rely on my incredible IQ. <laughs> now, it was uh, it was the greatest four months of my career for sure. And I really loved Mr. Perfect, and I'm very, very sorry he's gone. Yeah, you and me both. What did you like best about being the genius character? Oh, that I was the only comedian in a very serious business. And I could imitate Jack Benny or Peter Sellers in The Pink Panther. You know, and I, I was developing my character. And I uh, let me tell you something very, very special. Sure. Bobby Heenan could have stopped me because he was the brain and I was the genius. It's a little bit copyright infringement there. Sure. But I, I came up to Bobby Heenan and I said, look, they want to make me the genius, but I'm coming to you. And don't you think that's a little too close? Me, the genius and you, the brain. So he says, no, thank you for coming. But, you know, thank you for asking. But uh, I'm very happy for you. It's about time you got a break. And not only that, but I'll do everything I can to help uh, to help you make the transition. And not only did he try to do things on the microphone to help me, but he gave me personal advice. And I'll tell you what, if you can't take advice from Bobby Heenan, I'm afraid that you don't know uh, much, okay, because this guy is good. And some people think he's the greatest manager that ever lived. And um, the only argument for that would be if you're an older person, um, that it might be the Grand Wizard, um, whose name escapes me. Um, Ernie Roth. Ernie, Ernie Roth. But see, that was a different era. Um, but, you know, otherwise, Bobby Heenan is the greatest manager that ever lived. I do not disagree. I got to spend a lot of time in WCW. Uh, just, I just sat there and laughed pretty much the whole time. And you're right. He was extremely generous. And knowing Bobby the way I did and, and the way you do, I'm sure he was – I'm sure it meant a lot to him that you came and asked him uh, about the genius. Yeah, but it meant a lot to me that he didn't mind. Sure. And it meant a lot to me that he helped me. In other words, he was actually my friend. Sure. And, um, you know, I get choked up thinking about it because – if he's the brain and I'm the genius, that's pretty close. But he was so secure within himself, he knew I was not a threat to him. Sure. So you left WWF. Uh, your brother went to WCW, and that's when I got introduced uh, to, to the Macho Man. And, um, well, I had known as a fan, but uh, personally. Um, and and, and 
as the story goes, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you spent quite a, a decent amount of time under contract to WCW, uh, working out and dyeing your hair blonde, and uh, he had gotten uh, legal control of the gorgeous George gimmick. Uh, was was your time in WCW, do you look back at that as, as frustration, or was it a gift? Was it free money, or was it free money, but the frustration wasn't worth it? Let's call it a frustrating gift. <laughs> Because uh, Randy, every time Randy saw me, he would check my hair, check my physique, check my tan, see if I was, you know, see if I was, you got to be ready to do this. You know, it's going to be real, real bad if you're not ready. So, oh my God, I got to get ready. So I was working out twice a day and I was in the sun, uh, I had a sunbed, which is very bad for you. And, um, you know, I was, oh man, uh, I tell you what, I bleached my hair so much that there was no way I could look like Gorgeous George. I could look like the Scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz, though. <laughs> I could while away the hours conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my thoughts, I'd be hatching is my, you know, I don't want to go on, but. Uh, just, That's my favorite song from The Wizard of Oz. So I was just going to let you go on. Uh, oh, yeah. So it was, frust- it was a frustrating gift. Um uh, when did you find out that uh, that Gorgeous George was going to be a girl? Well, Randy bought the name, so he might as well use it. So uh, he, he said, well, that's OK, whatever. You know, I, I was just along for the ride. But every time Randy saw me, he would see if I was training and he would. Uh, yeah, you're getting a little fat. OK, I got to <laughs> believe it or not, Dave. That's what I missed the most because that's how he showed his love. Sure. Uh, what was your relationship like with Elizabeth uh, after they were no longer married? I never saw her. So she didn't have any relationship with the family after that was over. That's about it. So in 2015, you got the honor to induct your brother uh, into the WWE Hall of Fame. Talk, talk to me about that. Well, Randy passed away on um, May 20th of 2011. And then that was after the WrestleMania, okay? Right. And then um, oh, a few months later, I get a call from uh, John Laurinaitis. Right. And he says, how do you feel about inducting your brother into the Hall of Fame? So I said... Randy was very adamant about he didn't want to go into the Hall of Fame unless it was as a member of the Poffo family, um, Randy, Lanny, and Angelo. And the reason for that was uh, the year that he died, they brought in uh, the Von Erich family into the Hall of Fame. Right. And he, he made a big deal about that. He said, oh, my God. He says, I can see Fritz and Kerry and Kevin in the Hall of Fame. But you're talking about uh, David. No, he says David was good. He says, what about um, Chris? Chris. And and, um, Mike. They can't be in the Hall of Fame. Lou Fez isn't in the Hall of Fame, for Christ's sakes. You know, (laughs) how can you have David and uh, Chris, Chris and Mike Von Erich? He says, these guys are not in the Hall of Fame for their first name, they're in for their last name. So he told my dad, he says, if anybody wants me in the Hall of Fame, 
I'm going to, you know, he's, he says, I'm going to say no unless Angelo, Lanny, and Randy. So, and the reason Randy felt slighted uh, because in 1987, uh, November the 16th, I think, uh, the day after his birthday, um, there was a battle royal of old-time legends, Luthez, Pat O'Connor, Boba Brazil, Killer Kowalski, Gene Kaniski, all my dad's friends, Eduardo Carpentier, you know, Tony Gurria, Rene Goulet, all those guys. Right. And about a, about a month before, my father found out from Al Costello of the Royal of Fabulous Kangaroos that he was going to be in the battle royal. My dad wanted to be in the battle royal, too. One last hurrah, you know. So my brother tried to get it done, and he got thwarted and stymied and shunned and uh, by Pat Patterson, okay? Right. And so then Randy's relationship with the WWE, he wanted to quit. He was so angry. But my dad insisted that he stay on and for the money, you know. Right. And But that was the end of the good feelings Randy had with the WWE. Okay, so and it bothered him. It bothered the hell out of him. Okay, the rest of his life, that they wouldn't let my dad go into the battle royal with the other legends, and what made it worse, Randy wasn't on the card, but he had to fill in for Hexall Jim Duggan against Harley Race. Right, and he ran into Jim Kaniski, who said, "Hey, how's your dad? And where's your dad? How come he's not on this?" And made my brother feel even worse. You know, so. He suffered and suffered over that. And, you know, he's a guy that could, you know, carry a grudge. So when my father died on March 4th, um, 2010, my brother got really depressed and he was drinking and he invited me over and he said that I was a better son than he was. And I said, how do you figure that? He says, I couldn't get the goddamn battle royal i said dad knew that you're not the booker you know what i mean you can't you're only limited he says i you know the thing is it bothered the hell out of him for the rest of his life so he says if anything happens to me don't let me go in the hall of fame without the Pafo family angelo randy and lanny he says lanny you suck but you're, he says, but you're better than Chris. <laughs> see, I could see him saying that, by the way. Oh, he said it. And uh, so I told him, I said, not unless it's a member of the Pavo family. Well, that got over like a fart in a spacesuit. <laughs> so then something happened to me. Um, I turned 59 and I said, oh, my God, I'm the older brother. And then I used to think of myself as a beta male, and he was the alpha male. But actually, I am an alpha male. It's just compared to the macho man, everybody's beta. Right. So I said, well, at the time I was taking care of my mother because she just collapsed when my brother died. You know, my first, my father died. They were married 61 years. Then my yes. brother dies. I mean, she was a basket case. So I, you know, I, I sold my home and I moved in with her. And took care of her for six years. Oh, God bless you. Well, and then she died uh, last year, uh, June 3rd, 2017. Okay, so here's what happened. 
I said, Mom, I just had a long talk with myself. And guess what? I'm 59 years old today. That makes me the oldest. That means I get to make all the unpopular decisions now. And she says, well, what do you mean? I said, I've got to induct Randy into the WWE Hall of Fame. You can't do that. He was adamant. That's not his wishes. I said, wishes? When did I ever get my wishes? I wanted to go to Los Angeles. Instead, I went to the, uh, you know, outlaw organization. Duke of Kentucky. Yeah, you know, and I, I gave up everything, and I didn't get a thank you or an apology. You know, I'm still waiting. So, no, you got to do it for the family. Okay, family. I'm going to do, you know, you know who, Dave, let me tell you what. Who's better, the wrestler or the promoter? Answer, false. The wrestling fan is the best. Right. Okay, because without the fan, you don't have a podcast and neither do I. We don't have a wrestling business. Correct. Without the fan, the sport does not exist. And here you are with a fantastic podcast. Thank you. And here I am with a hell of a podcast. And we're on the ancillary ramifications of the wrestling business. But we're still um, drinking the same uh, soup, uh, punch bowl from the, you know, from the community here. Sure. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm very grateful. Oh, well, I got to live my dream. So I'll tell you what. Who are we hurting by keeping Macho Man out of the Hall of Fame? The fans. You're not hurting. You're not hurting Vince. He defeated uh, a federal grand jury, and he defeated uh, billionaire Ted Turner. So I don't think he worries about Lanny Poffo. So I get a call from um, Mark Carano. Sure, talent relations, WWE. Yes. And he says, can you do an interview for the WWE Network, blah, blah, blah. We're going to be in um, New Orleans. That wasn't last year. That was uh, five years ago, whatever. So I said, yes, but I want to tell you something. I've changed my mind. I want the Macho Man to be alone into the WWE Hall of Fame. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'll call you back. I'll call you back. And he gets rid of me, and about an hour later, he says, okay, I talked to the people. Here's the deal. Yes, they want him in the Hall of Fame, but we only have one posthumous inductee into the Hall of Fame every year, and this year it's going to be Paul Bearer. I said, but he says, but if you can keep a kayfabe next year in San Jose, California, 2015, Macho Man will be there. And I said, great, I will do it. I will kayfabe. And then they leaked it. You know, I heard, <laughs> you, know, you know, but I didn't say a word except to my mom, but she didn't have a Twitter account. <laughs> so anyway, um, so what I'm proud of is I did a speech that emphasized not how great he was. You already know that. Right. I wanted to say how good he was. I treated it like a eulogy. Also, it was only eight minutes long. Compare that to the length of oh speeches that we've heard going on into the four in the morning. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, um, a funny thing. I, I I didn't even plan on telling this story, but you know, you talk about how good he is. Um, 
We're in Tallahassee, Florida. My sister uh, was a senior at, at uh, Florida State, and uh, she she's uh, uh, she was adopted. She's from uh, uh, Korea, and she's very attractive. And uh, I, I'm not saying that your brother, uh, you know, was hitting on her, but they they sat and they had some drinks, and uh, it was a whole group of us. But they had some drinks, and and uh, and Randy was a perfect gentleman, and. I'll tell you what, every time that uh, I would walk by Randy, whether it was a year later or three years later or five years later, hey, Penzer, I can't do impressions. Hey, Penzer, how's your sister doing? I'll never forget how nice she was when we were in Tallahassee. And he he wasn't looking for a phone number. You know, he didn't need any help with that. He just he just always remembered uh, that they had a good time and and, and, uh, would always bring it up and and, and really great hearted guy. And uh and I miss him a lot. And I'm sure you miss him even more. Uh, let me ask you a question. If he would have held out, do you think that uh, Vince would ever put the whole family in? Or No, no, no. I, I'm not going to be anywhere near the Hall of Fame. Um, and um, no, it's never going to happen. Um, and uh, when I was there, uh, Pat Patterson tried to give me a quasi-apology for the um, Battle Royal because I had complained on, you know, to other people. I was on Chris Jericho's podcast. That's where he probably heard it. Right. And it was pathetic. He just, first he started apologizing, then he started denying it. Now, if you're going to deny it, don't apologize. If you're going to apologize, don't deny it. I mean, who the fuck do you think you're talking to here? Sure. I am the genius, you know. <laughs> and, you know, and I said, I didn't come to, I only had three things to do. And that is go to San Jose, read my speech and go home. I wasn't there to argue with Pat Patterson because it's absolutely um, futile. Okay. Um, You know, like he's going to be dead soon. He's 11 months pregnant. He's never going to deliver. He (laughs) smells like his uh, cigarette tray, uh, ashtray. You know, and um, I, I know he's still smoking. I can smell it. And, um, oh, he is the most pontificating guy. Like, he will he will go on and on about your life and how he can give advice. And I'm thinking to myself, who is this man who talks as though I needed his advice? So I just let him go. You know, what the hell? It's his trip. Sure. Absolutely. Uh what was your impression when you saw Jay Lethal or you heard about Jay Lethal doing Randy on uh, TNA? Let me tell you something. I am absolutely thankful for Jay Lethal because, well, here's how it started. Mark Brown and I were on the plane together to New Orleans um, going to this uh, WrestleMania. I was going to the WrestleCon. Right. Um, and uh, he is... Uh, TV producer of Ring of Honor. He gave me the email address of um, Delirious, uh, Hunter Johnston. The booker. Yes. And I said, look, um, I'm going to be in Lakeland. I mean, um, I live in Clearwater. I can be in Lakeland. I would like to audition for either a manager or a color commentary in uh, Ring of Honor, you know, or something, you know, I certainly can't wrestle anymore, but I volunteer my services. And he said, well, 
that'd be great and we'd love to have you but you know we're already over budget and uh how much will you be willing to work for so i said look at it this way forget the payday i'll just go there and audition if you like me you like me if you don't you don't and i won't bother you anymore so jay lethal decides to bring me in as brother from another mother i love it and and did you see it i did not see it but i heard about it and i saw the t-shirts yeah, and I was like, wow, that's great. And then, and then here's another thing that happened. The Young Bucks asked me if I would be on their um, YouTube show. And I said, yeah. He said, well, would you mind doing this and this and this? And I said, I'm cool. You know, I said, he said, well, how about doing this and this? And I said, look, don't ask me, tell me. I am coming to you directly from the couch. <laughs> And this is anything as a step up from the couch. <laughs> so I did the best that I could. If you go on Being the Elite, episode 101 um, premiere is the name of it. Right. You'll, you'll find me, you know, uh, with Hangman Page and everything. And um, so there, there you go. And then Jay Lethal calls me up. And as soon as we got the T-shirt going and everything, he said, let me ask you, Lanny. Um, can you, how do you feel about buying your own plane ticket to go to Chicago and getting your own hotel room and just coming in on speculation, keep your receipts. I'll see what I can do, but there's a chance that you may be paying for everything. I said, yeah, I can do that. So, um, I flew Spirit Airlines, you know, which is <laughs> like a Greyhound bus in the sky. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got to pay for entry to the bathroom. Yes, there you go. You know about Spirit? Yes, I do. Okay, and you know, they don't have the best on-time uh, delivery thing, but they were only late leaving. They weren't late getting there, so everything <laughs> was fine. So, um, plus, while everybody stayed at the Marriott, I stayed at the Red Roof Inn. But I kept the receipts and everything, and, you know, I didn't expect to be reimbursed. But those young bucks, Matt and Nick? Yes. Jackson? Yes, sir. They um, they sent me not just reimbursement for my, you know, for Ubering. I Uber, you know what I mean? And I, uh, I did everything and I kept the receipts. They didn't just reimburse me. They gave me a hell of a payday. Wow. And I, I promise you, Dave, I didn't draw that house at All In in Chicago, September 1st. And not only that, but... Uh, you know, New Japan wanted to use me as a color commentary, you know, and I don't know if they'll ever invite me back, but I certainly did enjoy going there once. And um, I still would like to do color commentary for both New Japan and Ring of Honor. But you know what I mean? Uh, the thing is, at least I got to do these things. Sure. And uh, I sent a thank you note to Matt and Nick because they certainly didn't need to pay me. OK. And um also, when I agreed to go to Lakeland, um, before I got in the ring, um, one of the TV men um, he says, thanks for coming here. Here's a little gas money. And, you know, it was more than just a little gas money. Sure. You know what I mean? But I wasn't asking for money. I was asking for an opportunity because I'm a I'm an older man. And, you know, uh, opportunities are few and far between. But. I'll tell you the truth, the genius cast, it's it's so 
creative and so I'm, I love it so much. You know, we've done 14 episodes already. The 14th is about to drop on Monday. Um, you know, I, I just love doing this podcast and, you know, I wouldn't want to give it up for anything. Tell the people how they can follow you on Twitter. Go the, uh, the genius cast with, uh, the genius cast Lanny Poffo on Twitter. Um, also, Lanny Poffo, Twitter, uh, Lanny Poffo, Facebook. But the, look up the Genius Cast on Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, um, YouTube. Oh, we just started a YouTube thing. Oh, cool. The Genius Cast YouTube. Uh, Lanny Poffo, you know, listen, if J.P. Zarka were here, he'd tell you how to get on. But the Genius Cast with Lanny Poffo, YouTube. Um, and it's it's got uh, highlights of some of the shows that we've had. And uh, I can tell you're wrapping me up, and that's good because I have to go. But um, <laughs> David, you've, been more than, you've been more than generous with your time. And, and I got to say, out of all the interviews, and I've been doing this weekly for a year and a half, but one of the most refreshingly honest interviews that anybody in this business has ever done. And I really appreciate your honesty and your time. When was I honest? They're just honest about <laughs> uh, in, a, in, a, in a business filled with a lot of egos. You seem to totally understand, uh, 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 you know, and, and appreciate, which is even more special. Uh, uh, your 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 small uh, but important part in the business. And uh, well, I'll tell you what, since you're still a married man, if anybody asks you, if, honey, does this dress make my ass look big? Uh, I'd never be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. There's a place for honesty and there's a place for uh, lying through your teeth. And uh, I've learned I've learned the difference. Uh, hey, have your guy uh, uh, text uh, text me or reach out to me. And uh, when we post this on Monday, uh, we'll uh, post all the, the the places where people could come see the Genius Cast. And I'm, I'm officially a fan, and uh, I'll be subscribing as well. And I thank you so much for uh, for spending time on City Ringside. Excellent. And I'll tell you, Dave, uh, thanks for being polite and professional. I've enjoyed every moment of this interview. Thank you so much. That was a blast. And uh, thank Lanny Poffo for his time and his honesty. It was refreshing. Uh, I have written down episode 101 of Being the Elite. Have to go back and check that out with Lanny Poffo. Also, The Genius Cast, wherever podcasts are shown. And I guess on YouTube as well. So be sure to check that out. You could follow him on social media. And I really appreciate his time. And I appreciate your time that you spent here with us this week. We hope you've enjoyed yourself. And and got a little bit of entertainment, uh, be sure to hit me up at Twitter, at David Penzer. Let me know who you want for future episodes. I will try to make it happen. I promise you that. Until next time, I'm David Penzer, still sitting ringside. See ya. Follow David Penzer on Twitter, at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter, at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. 
you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>